0: Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for once again joining me this week. Today, we'll venture into the area of social science and just exactly how we can use that to create better engagement with citizens and stakeholders around the particular projects that we are involved in and uh, a very talented uh, social scientist will join us in just a moment. But as we do each week, we start with the definition of content communication as it relates to government and the public sector. So content communication is a strategic, measurable and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So to today's guest, Amelia Loy is a social scientist who specialises in consultation and engagement for government. Over the past 12 years, she's designed and managed online and offline engagement for government across Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. In particular, her two most recent accomplishments are helping Australia's Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet and New Zealand's State Services Commission to engage stakeholders in the development of their national action plans for open government and preparing the New Zealand government's online engagement guidance. Her company, Engage2, provides strategic support for organisations who are wanting to improve the way they engage with stakeholders and how they consider social issues. Engage2 designs enterprise-wide digital architecture for engagement, input management, and the analysis of social data. They also help clients to procure and set up tools for online engagement, relationships and the analysis of big data and data collected from citizens. Amelia Loy, thanks very much for joining us in transition.
0: Thank you, David. What a great introduction. Thank
1: you. No problem at all. Now, listen, we caught up um, towards the end of last year at the Global Open Government Summit in uh, in france in in paris and it was a an action-packed sort of you know three or four days what did you take out of that particular conference as it relates to this um, aspiration of government becoming more transparent uh, more accountable more authentic and and opening up governments for you know participatory democracy
0: mm. Uh, Well, that there's lots of people around the world who are working towards the same agenda uh, and working pretty hard inside their governments to make government more transparent, democratic um, and accessible, I would say, Um, and that there's a lot of resources available as a result of that. People people who are working towards it, but also resources that they've developed, um, similar to the New Zealand guidance that you mentioned previously. Um, that kind of material is being shared across government around the world, and is actually creating kind of a snowball effect of open government. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that the agenda is getting momentum, and that the uh, the people who are working within those organisations are getting traction, and that the materials and resources that are available to all of us are now extremely relevant and useful, um, and that you know putting some time into connecting to to that. Uh, initiative and those resources is actually really good practice for anyone who's inside of government these days.
1: So, d- just to the the, the that broader um, contextual challenge that you alluded to there, you know the the vote um, in the UK to separate from the European Union, um, the election of a president in the United States who is talking about. Um, you know, perhaps focusing much more internally rather than looking out to the world, but certainly focusing on domestic issues much more. How do you see that that context is going to change or impact on this movement to more greater openness, greater transparency, greater collaboration, cooperation and openness?
0: I think legitimacy and... Uh, people looking at their government with a more um, a, a bigger magnifying glass <laughs> is happening uh, domestically, and I think um, there's a greater expectation on transparency. Um, that I, you know, in the past when we talked about open government, we talked a lot about open data. Uh, and the usefulness of open data to different sections of the population. I think if you have a look at what's happening in the US with um, Trump just straight after the inauguration, uh, people are actually looking for open information as well as just data because people are look. I think citizens are looking to be more informed. Um, that, that idea of um, referendum as the way we do democracy and the way we kind of participate in our government is, is not as relevant. And citizens are looking for more useful ways of actually participating.
1: And how? Uh, and what's your advice to people as to how they can uh, best serve that need? So, if you're working in government, how can you become a better servant of the people by providing appropriate data or information or or other resources?
0: Yeah, I mentioned the word accessibility before. I think with is been around for a little while now and I think the next step for people who are trying to increase transparency um, in, you know, of government and trying to raise the bar in terms of participation, I think the next step is actually making that information understandable, um, relevant and digestible. So it's like it's in a format that people can access, not just from a pure accessibility perspective, but it makes it easy for them to comprehend understand, process and then participate in an informed way.
1: What's the best way to do that given, you know, say you're sitting in the communications area and, you know, one of your colleagues from policy has just arrived with a consultation document that's about 150 pages of text. Um, How do you then go about turning that into uh, an asset or an artefact that is in fact going to achieve that ambition of, of greater engagement, better understanding?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think you still need the 100-page document for those super keen people who are going to read it uh, and I think making that document accessible um, is, is important. Um, it shows the rationale and thinking of the experts inside of government who have been looking at these challenging problems that government have to address all the time um, to the public so they can comprehend it. Um, But I think we also have to find a way to get people's attention and get them engaged. Uh, And the easiest way to do that is still, you know, you can easily call it clickbait, but that's just a way of drawing people's attention back to information. So, Um, I like to say you're driving traffic or you're um, fishing where the fish are, but you're bringing them back to the aquarium. So you give them something to bite, something that gets their interest, and then you give them a little bit more information that makes it, it's presented in a way that's understandable. So the language is simple. It's presented in an entertaining way, uh, not just a reader accessible way. and also there's an opportunity to reflect on what you're reading and or or watching if it's a if it's a video form of content so i think it's about getting creative with the presentation of the content and it's also engaging people within the body of the content as well so and reach reaching people where they are i think is really really important and some of that's digital and some of that's offline
1: okay so take me through that what do you mean by reaching people where they are
0: yeah i think I think people are already talking about current affairs and politics and and complex social problems that are facing, you know, problems facing our community. So, I think it's up to us to figure out where people are talking about those things um, and to actually, you know, understand the language that they're using when they talk about those issues, how information might be distributed among networks within our community and to tap into those networks in an effective way to try and you know participate in community as opposed to always expecting community to find the information that we're just releasing up online on a website for example
1: so in terms of the the sorts of skills that people require to um, execute on um, you know creating and distributing an accessible piece of information that um, citizens or stakeholders are looking for what sort of skills do people, need to have to be successful in 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 achieving those better outcomes
0: i think it starts with actually listening and um as i said before sort of understanding where people are having this conversation so there's a bit of a data analytics uh skill required for that at the moment i think um some of that's looking at big data Some of that's looking at social data, understanding social networks, but also understanding social networks offline as well. So how are people engaging with each other in community? So understanding the way communities develop and and organise themselves is really critical. Second to that is how we're shaping up and presenting content through the channels that we know those people are using to communicate about these kinds of things. Um, So that's looking at channels, evaluating channels, but it's also curating content in a creative way to reach those audiences. So some of that's a new form of advertising. Um, some of it's about, you know, creative presentation of information. Um, it could be video production um, and it could be just creative direction in general with like infographics and presenting data and information in ways that are easily palatable for people. Um, But I think we can't just uh, pick a horse and go with a single way. We've actually got to look at the different ways people learn. Um, So we've got a lot to learn about comprehension and uh, the way people relate to information as well.
1: So in terms of the – you mentioned visuals. Just how important are they in terms of telling your story?
0: Personally, I really relate to visuals. uh, and, And I mentioned before about, you know, You can call it clickbait, call it whatever you like, but we all need something to draw our attention in this, you know, where we're flooded with all of this information. Um, I think presenting information in a creative way, visually, quickly for people to comprehend is an amazing art form. And I think we have to look at that more closely.
1: How, yeah, well do you th- how well do you think uh, government is, and I know it, this is a, a, a broad and, and a general question, but how well do you think government is doing at the moment in terms of taking on this opportunity to be a media company on behalf of the particular program or service or regulation or whatever it is, the policy that they may be uh, seeking to re- represent and, and capture the views of the community? I
0: think it's- mixed Uh, I work across largely across Australia and New Zealand at all levels of government and work pretty closely with some people who are in government over in Canada Um, I think it's pretty mixed I think we can see some people are thinking still in terms of PR and journalism one-way communication Um, so they're getting creative at the way they present information we're getting we're getting some good campaigns But I still don't think of that as engagement and I think that it will only retain people's uh, attention for a short period of time. I think what we need to do is actually listen as well, as I said, Um, and part of that is listening before you shape your content for different audiences, but it's actually also about listening afterwards. So how are people responding to that information? And I don't think that's just about quantitative data metrics, like how many people clicked on your article or went to your website as a result of seeing something, I think it's actually about how many people actually responded to and what was it what, what I what is their response? Are they comprehending it? Are they understanding it? And if you're not getting that right, it's about tailoring that message. So I see I see mixed levels. Um, at, at all levels of governments, there's some really creative people in government who are doing some amazing things, both in the engagement area and also in the straight sort of communications marketing. And when those two types of people team up, it can be magical.
1: <laughs> How do you build support with senior executives who may see this as perhaps not central to the mission that they may have, and uh, and not as convinced that, uh, you know, they need to be in the media business as such?
0: There's two ways. Um, there's there's the carrot and the stick, I guess. And the carrot is you're going to get valuable feedback, valuable information that's going to actually deliver better outcomes for the community. And then they'll be happier with the results. Um, and I think it's up to anybody who's working in engagement or policy to actually demonstrate that they value data from the community and from stakeholders and where it's made a difference, a good difference to you know the design of a, a policy, a program or a service. Um, and then I think on the flip side of that is fear. You know, it, it, if your credibility as an elected official rests on how people receive the decisions that you make, but you still stand a position of, you know, we've been elected and we have the authority to continue to make these hard decisions, it's um it's risky business
1: and and what about those you know but i suppose it's the nexus though between the elected officials and and senior bureaucrats who may in fact con- control the budgets and may not be prepared to invest sufficiently in an adequate uh, benchmark survey or um, you know enabling research uh, with adequate uh, sample sizes which are going to give you the sort of insights that you need to make these judgments about whether or not your information is is making a uh, making the, the the required impact what about sort of reaching in and influencing those people
0: yeah look um, I, it, we all have our hot buttons the things that we care about the things we want to see delivered um, I think if you don't have, support and endorsement from your stakeholders for your program the announceable is going to it might go well but it's not going to have longevity and those executives usually are the ones that are responsible for delivering the programs and showcasing the results so it's about looking at the metrics for your engagement what's going to what does success look like why are we investing on this what's the return on the investment of the engagement and how does that marry up to the agenda and objectives of the agency longer term beyond the announceable and if you're able to speak to that with your executive and you know show that it actually does add value and will help them with their overall agenda then i think it's a worthwhile investment for them and also for the stakeholders quite frankly
1: okay now you mentioned data and it's obviously an area of uh, expertise that engage 2 has led by yourself where is the, the data debate at? And how can people working in communications and engagement understand data and how, in fact, it may help them to, to be more effective in their roles?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking that question, David. I think we've come a long way at um, discussing open data, data from community and how we can use that to make people more informed or make it more accessible and demonstrate transparency. We've still got, I believe, a long way to go when it comes to valuing data from citizens um, and I'd like to see more systems in place to actually do that. So I, I, I I think of it quite simply there's data about community, and some of that data comes from government, some of it comes from things like census, uh, might come from big data, data about community. But then there's also data from community, and that I think that data has a lot more value than what we typically recognise. And as I said, I think we need better systems and processes inside government to share that data around so that we've got a strong understanding of how a certain uh, proposed change might affect a community and also how we're involving citizens in a meaningful way within the design and refinement of program services and, and, and policies.
1: So just on that, that, that's an interesting distinction you, you know, create there about data talking about, you know, data about community and data from community. Can you give me some examples perhaps of Um, You mentioned the census, that's obviously about community, but what are some examples of data from community that that, um, people working in communication engagement could use to enrich their programs?
0: Yeah, we're asking, as governments, uh, we're asking citizens for data all the time Uh, and typically through consultation is probably the most obvious one. So we might be doing the urban plan for a major city of Australia. And so we'll ask citizens, what do you think about the proposed changes? And in that urban planning discussion, things will come up about um, planning, about transport, about infrastructure, about the environment. um, And that's data from citizens. And it comes through submissions it comes through online engagement platforms it comes at meetings uh, stakeholder meetings and also larger more town hall style meetings or um, charrettes which might be a, an engagement method to, to engage with people face-to-face um, and also just through public inquiries so when people call up your your organizational hotline that's all data from community and it's all data that's got relevance not just to the urban plan that you're designing at that point in time, but also to those other agencies I mentioned, infrastructure, transport, planning, environment. So getting better at sharing and uh, valuing that data from community will actually help us not just for that single point in time, but also ongoing.
1: So whose responsibility is it then, do you see, to understand and to think more strategically to as to how uh, that data could be distributed to areas that could, in fact, use it?
0: It's always a hard one, David. Um, I think, as I said, it's quite new. You asked me about how mature agencies are and the industry is. It's quite new for people to be thinking this way. Um, I think each agency is responsible for organising itself so that that data gets shared around the agency. And remember, it's data um, about general topic areas that are relevant to them, not just at that point in time, but ongoing. But also it's data about the stakeholders. And and by valuing that data as an organisation, you can actually have a continued dialogue with that stakeholder. So I think an organisation has that responsibility. But as I said, it's also relevant usually to other agencies. So typically you need a central agency within each government level. To have a look at that, have a look at how that data is shared across government. Um, who's got access to it is a big thing. We've obviously got to value privacy, um, but we've also got to enable that data sharing across agencies so we can generate those insights and make sure that that data has as much value um, as I think it. I think it does. And. Um, Value and currency. As a citizen, if I'm talking to government, I don't usually differentiate between agencies. So I do think there is a need for a central agency at each level of government to coordinate the sharing of that data, especially so some of those other more complex issues that I mentioned, privacy, for example, and security are addressed.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'd be interested in your views in the state of the current debate just as it relates to both of those issues of um, privacy and, and security. Here in Australia, and I know it's a debate globally about government knowing that if they can get better access to data from community, uh, you know, perhaps with the same permissions that people provide to local shopping centres in return for coupons or other things, that government can design better services, better programs, better outputs for the community, but it's building that trust Um, between government and citizens so as that there is that enablement um, between uh, both government citizens and stakeholders in order for that transfer of um, data to take place. What's your view on what needs to happen so as that government can get that permission? How do they build trust and and respect?
0: Yeah, look, I think... I really liked your question and where you went with it. Um, I think you started to get to a point where you started talking about the legitimacy of government as well as the improvement of programs and services. I think um, we need to demonstrate that these processes are are increasing the representativeness of government. They're not about replacing the role of an elected official, it's actually about um, increasing representation throughout these processes. And I think typically it's easy to look at these processes as only the vocal will participate, but the only way we can build trust and increase um, the value of participation in these processes is to demonstrate that we're A, valuing the information and B, that we look at it as a way of increasing representation of government. So we need to, uh, in answer to your question, we need to help create an agenda around representative government. We need to change the conversation a little bit from consultation to participation in a representative government. And I also think we need to build trust um, by showing that we're listening on an iterative basis. So reflecting back to the community what we are hearing and demonstrating that we do have those systems and processes in place. So it is worth their time coming to the meeting or providing the submission. And then secondly, I think that will give us uh, a little bit more credibility in terms of the way we're managing those processes and systems. We have to demonstrate that there is some rigour around the way that we do that, that we're adhering to things like privacy requirements and that security has been taken into account.
1: Do people want to hear from government?
0: This is a funny one, because I think some people do and some people don't. (laughs) Um, I think people want to know what's going on. Um, I think it takes a little bit of time to get their attention, uh, to get people who are, and there's a lot of people who are cynical out there. And and it's kind of, you know, in some cases, it's fair enough. Um, So I do think it's a matter of building trust. And I think before where we started this conversation about you know, understanding how information is distributed in a community where people are talking about current affairs and social issues is really important here. It's about, I think we have to build the trust of people who do want to hear what's going on in government, because they're the people who are going to bring it up at the dinner party. And they might not be the most popular person at the dinner party, but eventually they'll find somebody who wants to listen to them. So. Yeah, I, I think I think there are people who do want to hear. I think there are a lot of people who are frustrated. I think it's still a responsibility of government to be an authoritative voice, as in provide accurate, timely information to people so that they can participate. And I think people do expect that.
1: It's interesting, I think, that point you raised there around attention and given we, that we do live in a world where there is so much choice, you know, trying to shape government stories in such a way that will grab people's attention. You mentioned, you know, taking on the challenge of of clickbait in an environment where, you know, perhaps the more risk-averse areas are going to be saying, oh, hang on, we're not going to say that because, you know, that's not true or, you know, there's a another meaning behind that that we don't want to, um, uh, you know, put our name behind as such. So, this notion of attention is really um, fascinating. And I, and I do take your point also about, you know, fishing where the fish are and drawing them back to the aquarium so that you can make sure that they are, you know, swimming around in your information and hopefully presenting it to them in a way that they can um, take on board and then distribute out into into their particular communities. But I suppose my, my question around at that uh, challenge of attention is, How do you do it consistently and in such a way that can have an impact? You might be able to do it once. You might be able to do it twice. But how do you gain that attention on a consistent basis that is required in order for people to gain understanding of what it is that you want to do?
0: Yeah, I would say... Consistency to me means the same thing every time and for everyone. I think that's actually, we need to do the opposite of that, which is actually understanding the audience and tailoring the messages to the audience so it does get their attention and going, you know, going to the right channels for different audiences. Um, Then the second thing I would also say is if, if you're showing that you're listening to those audiences, you're much more likely to get their attention. So reflecting back what you're hearing is a really important part of this process.
1: Okay, just a couple of quick ones before we go, because we're coming up against time here. Just in terms of the um, online uh, engagement guide that was was put together from um, for the New Zealand government that you put together, what would probably say? G- give me three or four of the top um, pieces of advice that you would give um, to a communications team or to an engagement team as they're setting about trying to improve their particular processes.
0: Yeah, I think be really wary of saying you need to do engagement or consultation if there's no room for influence whatsoever over the outcomes. Uh, It's just communication. It's one way, it's PR, it's marketing. Engagement has to be two-way or three-way. And two-way engagement is I'm sharing information with you and I'm asking you for information as well. Three-way engagement is you're participating in a, a conversation. So you're one um, person sharing information and you're also inviting other people to talk to each other. Um, so that's probably the first thing. Think about think about your purpose and whether or not it's one-way, two-way or three-way engagement. Um, secondly, I'd say consider how you're going to manage the information that you're collecting. Uh, probably the worst scenario that I've ever seen in engagement is a process that was highly successful 106,000 people participated and shared their ideas on on a policy area Um, but there was no way of analyzing that data for the organization fast enough to reflect back what they were hearing or to show to the community that they valued what was coming in and and consider it in the way that they did the next stage of the process so be really smart about that how you're going to manage the data and and probably just lastly i have to add this as a (laughs) that you need to think about what are you actually asking the community and that goes back to where's the room for influence what's the scope over the decisions that have to be made to achieve an outcome that the community could actually add value to or provide input into
1: fantastic well amelia Loy, thank you so much how might people get engaged with you you know get make contact with you where can they learn a bit more not only about yourself and and to engage too but perhaps um, make contact with you to to further the conversation and discussion about um, communication and uh, engagement.
0: Yeah, uh, our website is uh, engaged two e n g a g e number two dot com dot au. Uh, you can also find us on LinkedIn, engage two, or on Twitter, engage to govern.
1: Engage to govern, fantastic. Well, Amelia, thank you very much uh, for giving us a small part of your week, but uh, an important part of your week because. I know this is a massive issue for many people working in government communication and engagement is how do we continue to improve? How do we continue to get insights from people such as yourself so that we can all get better, so we can all improve? Because heaven knows we need, uh, as I say often on this program, it is such a big challenge that government communicate effectively with citizens and stakeholders so that we can strengthen communities and we can improve the well-being of citizens. And I think with so much going on in the world at the moment, that broader context we've got, the more effective that we can be as individual government communicators and engagement specialists, then hopefully we are making a small difference in the communities that we are working in. So thank you so much, Amelia, for joining us today. And thank you, uh, listeners, for joining me once again. And I'll be back at the same time again next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content
0: communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.